Alright, if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 1 this evening. Colossians chapter 1 in the Word of God. And I'm going to be introducing a series that I'm going to be starting on Wednesday night. And uh, we might interrupt it next Wednesday if I feel led to play another message by Brother Reed. I'll tell you what, if there's ever been a man of prayer, it was Brother Dan Reed. And if there's ever been a man that was patient during suffering and trials and sickness, it was Brother Dan Reed. Brother Gary Lefford, and they were best friends. And I just felt led before all this changed by our governor and all the things that he's um, uh, requested or allowed uh, taking place that we would have a um, virtual revival. And I thought about getting an evangelist to come in here and preach. It's probably had many messages canceled, and I thought, no, I want to go back to a dear friend, Brother Dan Reed, and let him preach. And boy, I listened to one of the messages today, and it blessed my heart about the need for revival. The need for revival. That'll be Sunday night, six o'clock. Tuesday, seven. Or Monday at seven, and Tuesday at seven. And we're going to have virtual revival. I don't know what that means, but I know that there's one thing you can have revival if you'll hear the word of God and you'll pray. Colossians chapter one. Uh, we're starting a new series on the measure of a Christian or biblical perspective of your Christian life and we'll be going in some major doctrines and some topical studies I usually uh, uh, just do expository go through a book but I feel like this is a uh, needed subjects and we'll be going through the whole summer probably on how we can uh, evaluate our Christian life and how we can grow and be more like Christ but Colossians chapter 1 the Bible says in verse 9 it says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. So you're measured by your prayer life and what kind of prayers that you pray. Most people are praying emergency rations or me, myself, and I, I need some help. But listen to what the Bible says that Paul prayed for. This will teach us something tonight. It says, and to desire that you might be filled with the with the." with the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, that we might walk worthy of the Lord into all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Here he's praying now. Listen to how he's praying and who he's praying for and how he's praying for these individuals. Strengthen with all might, according to His glorious power, and all patience, and long-suffering, and joyfulness. How I many has been praying for patience lately? Hallelujah. Woo! I'll tell you that. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and lights, who has delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, and whom we have redemption through His blood, even for forgiveness of sin. I want to preach just a few minutes on how to pray for someone you love. How to pray for someone you love. It might be a child that you need to pray for. It might be a neighbor. It might be someone that you work with. But definitely, you need to pray for your spouse. And you need to pray for your children. And I'll guarantee you, this, these, these verses will tell us how to pray. My wife, over the years, prayed these scriptures over our children almost every day of their life until they moved out. And she probably still prays for them with these scriptures as a guideline of what to, how to pray for her children and my children. And it's, and it's, it's working. 
thank God for it. But I want you to know that, friend, a lot of times we pray amiss and consume it upon our lust, and therefore our prayers are not answered. This is how to have an undeniable prayer life. So let's pray, ask God to use his word. Father, thank you for the busy day we've had today. Thank you for all that's been accomplished, all the cleaning, and God, we thank you for Brother Vinny and, and Miss um, Tria going the extra mile and, and getting our church ready for people to come back in a few weeks. And Lord, I thank you, dear God, for uh, Brother Kevin and Brother Mark and a lot of people just dropped by and, uh, Lord, just worked hard many hours on this building. And, Lord, we pray, dear God, that you'd help us to uh, work on our tabernacle, that, Lord, your tabernacle, our soul, our being, and, God, that we'd, we'd, lo- we'd learn how to pray. And, God, that we would uh, pray scripturally and pray spiritually for those that we love. So, Lord, teach us to pray as the disciples prayed. We're going to thank you and praise you for this very simple prayer that had supernatural results as Paul prayed it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says back in verse 2, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossia, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I feel sorry for anybody today that does not have the grace of God because you have no peace. And I want to tell you something, a lot of people are afraid and they fear. And I believe you ought to have a sense of fear, but not a spirit of fear. As Brother Jonathan McNeese shared the other day, and I posted it, it was so good. A sense of fear is that you respect what's going on. It's like an electrician going to uh, work. He respects that power of electricity, but he's not afraid of it or he'd never go to work. The spirit of fear is you just know that you're going to get electrocuted any minute. You know that you're going to die any minute as soon as you touch that wire, and you're not effective as an electrician. A lot of people won't come back to church in the future because they're, they have the spirit of fear. We ought to have a sense of fear, a sense of respect, but not a spirit of fear. And folks, the only way that you can uh, have peace is by grace and being, as I, I'm going to point out, for the first thing to pray for our loved ones is that you are in the will of God. Look at verse 4, it says, or verse 3. It says, We give thanks to God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Here it is now. Paul's, Apostle Paul's prayer must be worth reading, studying, and emulating. It says, since we heard of your, what? <clears throat> Faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have of all the saints <clears throat> and for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven whereby you heard before the word of truth the gospel. Thank God for the gospel that brought the hope to them. The folks, he, he prayed for three things. And this is the valuation of every church. This is the valuation of every Christian. This is how to evaluate your life. And it's faith, love, and hope. I challenge you, I don't have time tonight <clears throat> or the energy or strength to do it, but um, I want you to know that um, all through the epistles, if you'll look at the first paragraph, and that can be all the way through a whole chapter, Paul always commended the church for three things. Not nickels, not noses, and not buildings. He commended them for their faith and their love and their hope. If you want to evaluate your life, how much faith do you have? I'll preach a whole message on that in the coming weeks. How much love do you have? And then how much hope do you have? But then he goes on and he says this in verse 6, which he come unto you as it, as it is in the world and bringeth forth fruit. 
And it does also to you since the day we heard of it and know the grace of God in truth. And we also learn of uh, Ephroditus, uh, our dear fellow servant, Epaphras, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, while also declaring to you also love in the Spirit. And then, listen to this, and this calls we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. What's he praying for? How does he pray for his, for his uh, loved ones in Colossia? It says, a desire that you might be, number one, filled with the knowledge of his will. All right, put it down, number one. I should have had a PowerPoint, but we have been so busy, I just left the church about 6 o'clock to get home, get dressed, and get back here. But I want you to know, we need to pray for our loved ones to know and experience the will of God. Look at verse 9. It says, top of the list, he said, we do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spirit and understanding. And so first of all, folks, listen, you need to seek one thing in your prayer life more than anything. That's God's glory, of course, but it's number, number one, it's the will of God. It's the will of God. You're immortal in the will of God until God's finished with you. And that'll, that'll throw the fear right out the back door, amen? And I want oh, the spirit of fear. You ought to have a sense of fear about things and be very careful and do the things that they have outlined for you to do. But I want you to know this, friend, the will of God is precious, and the will of God's powerful, and the will of God's fruitful. and the will of God, there is grace and there's peace. And folks, I want to tell you something. The most heartbreaking thing that could ever happen to your wife, to your husband, to your children, to your relatives, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your workmate, is they live out of the will of God. Folks, that's a tragedy. To miss the abundant life and to be a subject and imp of hell and the devil has his way with you and the flesh has his way with you and the world is your, is your uh, uh, ambition and your desire and all you live for is your will instead of God's will. It's a sad day if you miss the will of God for one day. And then, and then we need to see that, folks, there's some ways of, of knowing the will of God. And I want to say this, first of all, uh, in our prayer life, we ought to pray for these things. Number one, uh, we need to pray for resisting temptation. Uh, if you want to look at the phrase, and uh, we were minding on, on, on business about 15 years ago at Sand Mountain Bible Camp, and an old preacher uh, came in and he, he gave a devotion, a very simple devotion on the will of God. And I'll never forget this devotion. I wrote it down. I've preached it many times. Brother Gordon Carpenter. And he preached on how to know the will of God. It was so simple that we just, it was, it was amazing because he was a deep prophecy preacher. But he gave this phrase day by day. Now, if you have a funny Bible or if you have a perverted Bible, if you have one of these translations, you won't see that phrase seven times in the Word of God. But I want to I look at these seven mentions of day by day. See, how to know the will of God is day by day. If you're in the will of God day by day, guess what? 15 years from now, you'll be in the will of God. And I want to tell you this, friend. You ought to pray for your children to know and experience the will of God and be in it. Because the day they get out of the will of God is the day they marry some bum. They marry some liar, as already been requested in our prayer request. They marry some uh, uh, abuser. They marry somebody that doesn't love them. They marry, they marry out of the will of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. That's a, that's a tragedy. 
<clears throat> they live for their will, not God's will. So the first thing uh, in Genesis 39.10, the Bible says that we ought to resist temptation. Look at Genesis chapter 39. You know the story. Joseph is being tempted day <clears throat> by day. I mean, the temptation is always there. Uh, don't think that you'll ever outgrow it or that you're so spiritually mature that you're not tempted. Look at Genesis 39, verse 10. The Bible says this, And it came to pass, as he spake to Joseph, as she spake to Joseph, that was Potiphar's wife trying to seduce him, day by day, <clears throat> that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or be with her, excuse me. What's that saying? That's saying every day of Joseph's life, there was a tempter, and he used Potiphar's wife to try to seduce him. If you drop your guard one day, you can ruin the rest of your life. Hey, if your children drop their guard one day, one night, one weekend, <clears throat> one date, one major decision, uh, one choice, it could ruin the rest of their life. So you need to pray for your children. You need to pray for your mate. You need to pray for yourself. You need to pray for everybody you, uh, that you love and everybody in the, in, the, in the church to resist temptation. The temptation is there. And then uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 21 is the second mention. 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 21. It says this, And the children of Israel that were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of the unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with loud instruments unto the Lord. Now listen, that really warps anybody that don't believe in praising God with instruments. Uh, but I want to tell you something, folks. We ought to praise God with the mouth that God's given us and the heart that God's given us. I want to tell you what you ought to do. You ought to pray every day that you can worship God. You need to pray every day that your children would worship God. If they don't worship God, they'll worship this world. If they don't worship God, they will worship themselves. And they'll become their own God. And I'm going to tell you something. That is a sad place to be, to worship yourself. Self-worship is taking over. The fastest growing cult in America is humanism. It's worship of self. And I want to tell you this, friend. God help us if we don't pray for our loved ones and pray for our children and pray for our our uh, uh, mates, our spouse, that they'd worship God every day. I believe you ought to have good godly music in your home. I believe you ought to read your Bible every day. I believe you ought to pray every day. Hey, I, I tell you this, I believe you ought to praise every day. I believe you ought to find something good that God's done in your life and praise God. Matter of fact, you ought to get up in the morning and take one step and say, praise God, I took a step. Amen? You ought to praise God if you're up five times a night and you can't sleep. Say amen. That's what happened to me lately. And I want to tell you something, friend. God help us if we don't pray for our loved ones day by day to resist temptation and day by day to worship. And then Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 18 is the third mention of day by day. Nehemiah chapter 8, uh, 8. And uh, I want you to look at it. It says in verse 18 that uh, Nehemiah obeyed the Lord. Nehemiah obeyed the Lord every day of your life. 
you ought to pray for your loved ones to do one thing that will revolutionize their life. Obey God. Obey God. Obedience is not the very best way. It's the only way to please God. Look at Nehemiah chapter 8, eight verse 18. Don't you love to study the Word of God? It says, And day by day, from the first day until the last day, he read the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the matter. Here it is. They read and they kept. They inclined and they applied. I want to say this. It's a sad day when your children or your mate no longer wants to come to church, no longer wants to read their Bible. You need to respond with obedience, children, children of God. Your whole life depends on obedience. We ought to obey God. I've been praying a lot this week, and I said, Lord, whatever you want me to preach, I'll preach. Whatever you want me to do Sunday, we'll do it. And I ask God to lead me and guide me, and I'm obeying God. I believe it's the perfect will of God of doing exactly what we're doing. And I want to say this, friend. We need to have, number one, day by day, resist temptation. Day by day, worship. Day by day, obey the Lord. Then two other things real quick. We ought to obey in prayer. And this is what the sermon's all about. The Bible says, give us our day by day bread, uh, our daily bread. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 3. Turn there with me. Luke chapter 11, verse 3. It's the disciples' prayer. It's not the Lord's prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. It's the Lord giving the disciples what to pray for. And he said, hallowed be thy name. We ought to pray, uh, our Father which art in heaven. Do you really pray? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so in earth. And look at verse 3. Give us day by day our daily bread. You know, the third thing is definitely the will of God is for everyone to rely on God. Not to rely on President Trump. Not to rely on uh, Governor Kemp. Not to rely on uh, your mayor or politicians. We are to rely on God. And we need to rely on God one way, prayer. If you don't pray, if you don't pray every day, day by day, you're relying on yourself and you're relying on the world. Let me hurry and just say this. You need to pray uh, that God would control you as you yield to the Spirit of God. Most important prayer request that the church could have, if we want to have one prayer request, I'm going to preach on this in a couple of weeks. I'm trying to save it to the time we get back together, is that, folks, if I had one prayer request and I had one thing that I want the church to do, it'd be to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 18. Here's the fifth mention of day by day. It says, For which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Folks, how are we renewed day by day? In the Spirit, through the Word. And so, number one, we ought to pray for the will of God. I know that took a long time, but it's very important that you realize that when you pray for your children, when you pray for your spouse, when you pray for your friend, when you pray for your workmate, when you pray for your fellow church member, pray that they'd stay and love the will of God, that they would know the will of God. The Bible says it very clearly. Do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. 
And then, second of all, I think Paul prayed for something very important. This sums it up. In verse 10, it says that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. The first thing you ought to do is pray for God's will to be done in your loved one's life. But second of all, if you're kneeling to pray for your husband or wife, you're kneeling to pray for your children, you ought to pray this prayer. Dear God, help them please God. You know, you can't please everybody. But there's, and you shouldn't try to please everybody. But I believe there's one person that you ought to desire to please, and that's God. Because He is worthy of all submission, of all obedience. And folks, I want to tell you something. If your kids grow up trying to please everybody else, and they are subject to peer pressure, they are going to be miserable because they can never measure up. And they'll try to be this one day and that the next day just so they can measure up to and please their friend and please their girlfriend and please even their husband or wife. And folks, God has called us to please one person. That's God Almighty. And so we ought to pray, dear God, help them to walk worthy of the Lord and to all please Him. Then third of all, we need to pray for our spouse. We need to pray for our children to be fruitful. To be fruitful. Look at verse 10, the last half. It says, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Fruit comes through abiding. As the branch abides in the vine, you produce fruit. And it's godly fruit. It's spiritual fruit. It's fruit that remains and it's fruit that brings God glory. And if you try to just produce works or you try to produce obedience in the flesh, it profiteth nothing. But if you would just ask God to help your children, to help your mate, to help your friends, to help your fellow church members to be fruitful. In other words, be fruitful, there must be rooted and grounded in God's Word. Then fourth of all, in verse 10, the last phrase it says, and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, you ought to pray for this one thing. You ought to pray, or the fourth thing. You ought to pray for your mate. You ought to pray for your, your children to grow as a Christian. It's so sad when a baby doesn't grow. It's so sad when a, a baby never grows up and they become pouting, pitiful, selfish teenagers. It's so pitiful, it's even worse when they grow up and become selfish, pitiful, pouting adults. Amen. God's will is not for us to just grow physically. Now, we're not having any trouble with that during this pandemic. Amen. Praise God. There's one thing that I cannot distance myself from. That's my wife's cooking. That's the refrigerator. It's the stove when she just finishes those uh, banana nut bread as she did last night. I ate three of them before bed just so I wouldn't so I wouldn't forget what they taste like by the time I got up. Amen? That was pathetic that I ate that many. But I want to tell you something. We need to not grow physically. All of us are growing physically. I can still button this coat, but it's getting close. But I want to tell you something. You need to grow spiritually. And the only way to grow spiritually is get to know God. And the only way to get to know God is pray Go to the house of God and every day wake up and open this book. Today it's a wonderful chapter we're studying together as a church. Proverbs 22. And verse 4 says that we ought to humble ourselves and we'll have riches and honor and life. 
through humility. Before you get to that great verse, train up a child in the way he should go, it says, parents, humble yourself. That means you ought to be teachable and that you ought to grow and get your Bible out. The greatest lesson you could ever give your children is every day you open your Bible and read and ask God to teach you something and speak to your heart. And then verse 11, this fifth thing that we should pray for, we ought to pray, we ought to pray for the will of God, to know the will of God. We ought to pray our spouse or our children would please God. We ought to pray for our spouse or our loved one to be fruitful. Fourthly, or to grow. And then fifthly, look at verse 11. It says, strengthen with all might according to His glorious power. Folks, we ought to pray that your spouse, your children, your loved one would live in God's strength. You know, it's so sad. A lot of people are depending on their little personality. They're depending on their looks. They're depending on their riches. And they're depending on daddy and mama's riches. They're depending on a lot of things. But I want to tell you something. They need to learn to depend upon God. They need to learn that with God, they can do anything in the will of God for His glory. And they will be fulfilled. And their life will be sufficiently uh, pleasing to God. And it's all by God's Spirit. It's God's strength. It's, it, we, the Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's not optional. That is a mandate. That is a commandment to be filled, controlled by the Spirit of God. And folks, he's praying now, and he says, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. What is that glorious power? In Ephesians, he said it's the power of the resurrection. It's the power of the Spirit. And, uh, and uh, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he's Lord because of his power. And so we need to yield to that power, God's strength. And then sixthly, we need to pray for our loved one to be able to handle difficulties of life and not to lose the joy of the Lord. You know, some people have lost their joy during this pandemic. It's pathetic. I mean, friend, listen, I once heard that um, tribulations like boiling water to a tea bag, it brings out what's in. If your marriage is sorry, it's going to bring it out. If your marriage is pitifully uh, distant, it's going to bring it out. If your heart is full of hate and envy and bitterness, trust me now, the boiling water of tribulation will bring that out. And you'll get ill, you'll get depressed, you'll get... Uh, You'll lose all your joy. And folks, we ought to pray. Look at verse 11, the last half. It says, it says, with the glorious power and all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. What a prayer request. He didn't pray from the uh, wind souls or, or start churches. He said, I'm just praying for you to have patience. I'm praying you have long suffering. I'm praying that you'll have joyfulness. And folks, I want to tell you something. As Christians, we ought to go through times like these, handling it better than the lost world. Say amen. I mean, we ought to put a smile under our mask that people can see. That we ought to, they ought to sense the, 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 uh, the uh, skip in your jump and thank God the enthusiasm about still living for God and you ought to be proof positive evidence of the joy of the Lord and the joy of the Lord your strength. What's that mean? You know that God knows. You know, we're living in uncertain times, but I want to tell you something. God knows exactly where you're at. And you ought to know where you're at in the will of God and cheer up, my brother. We'll understand after a while, say amen. Cheer up. 
God's got a reason for all this. And I want to tell you something. In difficult times, you ought to pray for your spouse, pray for your children to handle it and not to lose their joy. And then last but not least, we need to pray for one more thing. And it's in verse 12. It says, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet, qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. The Bible says giving thanks. I want you to know this. There is nothing more attractive than a thankful person. I'm going to tell you something. You will attract people if you're thankful for not just them, because a lot of people like to be thanked, but I mean just thankful for everything. I mean, folks, pessimists are lonely people. Uh, Down-in-the-mouth people have not got a crowd knocking on their door wanting to eat with them, uh, unless they're really a good cook. I mean, I'm telling you, we need to be grateful. We need to be grateful for all the blessings of God. Stop whining, stop complaining, and start praising God every day. And folks, I want to tell you something. If you want your child, if you want your mate, to make a difference for the glory of God, then ask God to fill them with thanksgiving unto the Father, which has made us meet unto partakers of the inheritance of the saints of life. For we should never get over being saved. To make sufficient, to be empowered is what the word meet means. We have eternal life. Good night. We ought to be thankful for our deliverance. The Bible says in that next verse, who has delivered us from the power of darkness. Where would you be today if you weren't saved? I'll tell you where you'd be. You'd be a puppet of the devil. You'd be a a future resident of hell. And you'd be most miserable without the belief in the death, burial, and resurrection and being truly saved. And you'd be subject to the power of darkness. Folks, I want to tell you something. That's a sad place to be. It says, He hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You're translated. Amen? And folks, you ought to be thankful for your deliverance. You ought to be thankful for your inheritance. But you ought to be thankful for your translation. And thus, we ought to walk worthy of the one that's redeemed us. We ought to walk worthy of God who has called us into his kingdom for his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message tonight. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll use it. Uh, God, as you teach us to pray, And Lord, we thank you, dear Lord, that um, you saved us many years ago. I don't know where I'd be today. I'd probably be in jail or hell if you hadn't saved me. God, I thank you for that. I don't want to ever get over it. But God, I pray that you do more than just save me. I want you to sanctify me and thrill me and satisfy me with your spirit. And I thank you for the many, many days that my mother prayed for me, my grandmother prayed for me, And Lord, now that my wife prays for me and my church family prays for me, a scriptural, spiritual prayer like Paul prayed for his church. Dear Lord, help me to be that kind of pastor to pray that uh, folks would know the will of God, that they'd walk worthy and please God, that they would be strengthened with the power of God, and they'd be grateful and they'd be thankful and patient and long-suffering. And dear God, that we'd never get over being saved. Lord, I pray for children that are out of the will of God right now. And their parents are heartbroken today. I guarantee you, they're heartbroken. There's nothing that disappoints a parent more than a child 
that's longing for the world instead of longing for the Lord and being led of the Lord. I pray, dear God, for people that are married to someone that's full of self and sin and sorrow. And dear God's very hard to live with. I pray, God, for grace and peace. I pray for faith. We keep on praying. We keep on praying scriptural and spiritual prayers like this great prayer in Colossians chapter 1. And keep on shining to a lost and dying husband or wife, a lost and dying child, or maybe a child that's just full of their self and full of the world and full of the, uh, uh, the things that they want instead of the things that please you. God, please send a revival in each home that's listening and send a revival in our prayer life. God, we never measured more than how much we kneel in prayer but what we pray for. God, not just things and not just for ourselves, but God, that we pray for others and their spiritual need of Thee. With every head bowed, every eye closed, how many of you would say in your home, wherever you might be, dear God, teach me to pray for others. Dear Lord, help me to be a praying mama, a praying daddy, a praying husband, a praying wife that prays spiritual and scriptural prayers like this one. And then we need to pray not only just to be praying, we need to pray believing. How many of you believe that God can answer prayer? And He can and He will. You need to pray with all your heart. Some of you need to pray for your daddy. Some of you need to pray for your mama. Some of you need to pray for your relatives. Some of you need to pray for your mate. And uh, it, it's hard to live in a home that's not happy, and not joyful, and not peaceful, and not grateful. And there's turmoil, and there's bitterness, and anger, and malice, and distance, and isolation. But you need to pray on anyway. And then for children that's gone astray, don't give up on them. Be the father that has the light on the porch of prayer and saying, Dear God, touch my son, touch my daughter, and help him come back to where he knows he needs to be. And that's the perfect will of God. And I pray that you would pray that kind of prayer, that you'd be stirred tonight, challenged tonight, to pray for your loved one. As my dear wife knelt in prayer every day, prayed for our four children. This specific prayer and God has blessed God has worked it's only by the grace of God she prays for me or I wouldn't be in the same church 42 years I guarantee you that I'd already quit she prays for souls and I want to be that kind of prayer warrior how about you I want to be a prayer warrior I want to go to battle against Satan for my children for my grandchildren for my friends, for my church members, hey, for my dear wife, I want to go to spiritual warfare for them and pray that God would work. Father, use this message and we'll thank you. And I pray to God that there be some decisions tonight to be a prayer warrior for those that you've entrusted us to pray for, especially our spouse and our children. We'll thank you for what you do in and through this prayer meeting tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.